You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at WeAreLibertarians.com. Talk of Liberty podcast. This is episode number 320 of East Central Channel's favorite podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. Uh, Dakota Davis is off keeping the lights on for the people of Greenfield, Indiana, or I guess turning them back on. He's not keeping them on. They've already had, they've gone out. He's trying to get them back up and running. So uh, no co-host today, but we do have a uh, noted underpaid executive video producer, uh, regional winning uh, coach of Newcastle Youth Sports. Participating. Participating. Did you win anything? What can we give you an award for? I have no idea. All right. Coach of the year, Zach Bertram. Yeah. Uh, assistant coach. Assistant. Uh, My shirt says helper Zach. I'm helper. I'm helper Zach. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. You're, you're definitely our helper. Um, we are going to be talking with the mayor candidates today. Uh, on my right, screen left, is Mayor Greg York, uh, the current mayor of the city of Newcastle. Uh, and on the right, screen right, my left is uh, is challenger, Clay Morgan. We're going to be uh, talking through what's going on in the city, what uh, what happens. We're voting in just a few days. Uh, the election is Tuesday, wrapping up the candidate series. Uh, special thank you to uh, the patrons that help us get on the air each and every week. Uh, you can uh, get bonus content and be a part of the show at any level, Uh Jump on patreon.com slash liberty. Extra audio. You get a copy of the show notes. And uh, if you donate $50 or more a month, uh, you and or your business get uh, get a shout out at the top of every episode. Uh, right now, those folks are Christy Avery up in Fort Wayne, Indiana with her uh, her Norwex sponsorship. If you need any cleaning supplies, you get Christy up. Uh, John Phillips or Jonathan Phillips, longtime supporter of the program. Uh, Andy Moore, Buick GMC, and uh, Anthony Meyer, who uh, has his independent different breed trucking company uh, working nationwide. Uh, but he cares about Henry County, Indiana, so he's listening to Boss Hog uh, from the truck right now. Uh, and special thank you to the Candidate Series sponsors, uh, Wyland Flowers and the Slick Pickle Sanitation. Uh, really happy to have you guys be a part of the program as well. Uh, Going to get right into it here uh, and talk to the candidates. Uh, let's uh, let's meet uh, Mayor York. If you want to tell us about yourself, a little bio history, 
sure. uh, and whatever you want to start us off. This is all entirely conversational. We don't have time limits. We're going to make sure everybody's got enough time to talk, and um, we will. Nobody's going to be rushed in anything. So we're we got all the time in the world. Well, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on the show. This is the first time, but nice being here. Uh, born and raised in Newcastle. Uh, went to school in Newcastle. Raised my kids in Newcastle. Now. Bringing my grandkids through Newcastle, uh, played sports here. Uh, all my kids played sports here. Uh, I've always uh, been a participant in every activity that, that goes on in Newcastle. So uh, it's, uh, it's always been home. It's always going to be home. The, love the traditions that Newcastle has. Uh, people don't realize that we have the, the, the largest Memorial Day parade in the state of Indiana on Memorial Day. And uh, love to go to the track. And I often wonder what people do out of state that, that, uh, that doesn't have a Memorial Day or doesn't have a 500 race. You know, so it's uh, exciting to be from Newcastle. Uh, love the activities that we have. I, I've always uh, been the first one to beat the drum about uh, all of our men's, women's service groups that provide opportunity for kids. It doesn't matter if it's a sport or if it's the band or, or what it is. Our men's and women's service groups here in Newcastle have always uh, supported the, the youth of this community. And that's why I just feel like there's not a, a better town to raise a, a family in than Newcastle. All right. And then uh, let's hear from, uh, from Clay. Give us a little introduction. I know you've been on the program before, but for those listening for the first time, to get to know you a little bit and maybe some of your motivations for running. Yeah, so uh, I own MVP Barbershop, as you know. Uh, I have an associate's degree in psychology. I uh, served on the Henry County Council for nine years. Uh, I served as an advisor to Congressman Luke, Ve- Luke Messer. Uh, married my high school sweetheart. We've been married for almost 27 years and uh, have five sons. And uh, one of the things uh, that inspired me to continue uh, to, to run and stay stay local was that as I began to watch, I know this might not make sense to some, but I watched the the way of the nation, and it just seems like we're headed for some troubling times. There's a lot of dysfunction in our federal government. Uh, the economy is uh, teetering. Uh, a lot of people are struggling uh, financially. Uh, it's like me and my wife. We have more money now as far as numbers than we've ever had in our life, but we're still paycheck to paycheck again because everything has went up so much. And uh, so as I see those things happening, uh, it inspires me to uh, to look at our local community and say, how can we prepare our local community for some future events that may take place in the nation? And uh, maybe a bad analogy, but I kind of look at it like we see a hurricane coming. So how do we prepare so we can weather the storm? All right. And uh, Mary York, tell us uh, your motivations. You've been serving, this is eight, eight years now, or 12 years, well, completing 12 years. Um, tell us, 12 years, a, a heck of a long time for, for public service, not community service, public service. Community. It might feel like community service. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, the motivation to, to seek a fourth term. Uh, very fortunate. I've uh, been in business of some kind. I, I, I'm a salesman. I was a salesman before I came mayor. I'll be a salesman after I'm mayor. It was very, very simple. Uh, I was motivated to, to run for mayor simply because of classmates in school. 
friends in school would come back and say, man, uh, Newcastle just isn't growing. The downtown, it's empty. Uh, and, and when you're in the forest, you get used to seeing the trees and, and you get comfortable and you get complacent. So, I mean, w without a doubt, uh, the thing that motivated me the most to, to run for mayor was to, uh, community had been good to me. I felt like it was time for me to give something back to the community. And, and uh, in sales, I traveled a lot, uh, out of state, uh, in state, and, and saw a lot of things that other communities were going through. So uh, probably one of the highest compliments that I get is when classmates come back or when uh, friends that I went to school with come back and say, man, I see these changes happening. It's exciting to see downtown live, alive again. So it was a no-brainer. Uh, I, I don't like politics, and, and I don't like politicians. Uh, I've tried to run the city as close to business as possibly can, and uh, been in, in sales and been in construction my whole adult life, and uh, just felt like there was something I could give back to the community. All right. So the uh, if you're a patron, you've got a copy of the show notes, it's kind of an episode guide, and it's everything's conversational, but it kind of gives us an itinerary as to where, where the, we're planning on the conversation going tonight. Uh, the first sec section that we're wanting to talk about, and we'll start with you, Greg, since we're over here, uh, is how, particularly with small businesses, but wh how does the mayor interact with, with small businesses in the community and finding ways to grow uh, the small business base? Well, actually, we have uh, 15 new businesses on Road 3. We have 13 new businesses downtown with two or three more going to open within the next six months. Uh, very much involved. Uh, I have talked to Fazoli so many times that they don't even take my calls anymore uh, because they say Newcastle's too small. Uh, so it's recruiting. You're, you're, you're outwardly recruiting different companies, different businesses, uh, and interfacing with them. I, I've had a, a relationship with the owner of Culver's, and uh, he's from Rushville, actually, and is based out of, of uh, Noblesville now. And I, I talked to him, talked to him, talked to him, and he said, I think it's time. So uh, within two months, he had purchased land. He had uh, got all his numbers put together, and, and within six months, he had started breaking ground with, with a, a new store. So, uh, And the, that number, that's not businesses moving. That's new businesses. So uh, Harbor Freight, uh, as I hate to say it, I would go to either Muncie or Anderson just about every weekend to Harbor Freight. So we have other business men, business women, business people in Newcastle that own properties that uh, that believe in our community and uh, recruit have have bought shopping centers and are recruiting national brands to come to town and and that's uh, been very exciting that uh, we have a lot of people pulling in the right direct in the same direction right now all right so clay talk talk to me about the, obviously you're a small business owner yourself mm -hmm. uh how you view the mayor's office and interfacing with small businesses maybe some of these national brands bringing them to town and, yeah. and encouraging growth yeah well as the mayor said i mean you're as the mayor you're the face of the community you're the one that's recruiting you're the one that's out there meeting and greeting and people connecting so um but what I would say to add to it is to just continue to keep it going is uh, to 
continue to build the confidence, the unity, the competence of your team, everyone around you, all the different players that it takes. It's like when Boar's Head came to town, I was on the county council and, you know, we went through that process and um, the city went through their process, the county went through their process, and there's probably 10, 15 different boards that it has to go through uh, before it actually takes place. And so, you know, if we can continue that um, that effort of working together and to build that, again, build the confidence, build the competence among all those team players. Um, also, I think what will benefit us is if we update and uh, maintain our infrastructure. Uh, you know, it's more difficult for the bigger million plus dollar uh, investors to come in if you're continuing to struggle with some of your infrastructure. Uh, we got to be zoning friendly. We need to do some updating there. Um, we need to be customer friendly. Uh, and then, of course, you got to be willing, like the mayor said, he's traveling, he's meeting. You got to be willing to work at it. There's no doubt about that. Um, but we also need to, uh, you know, maybe have a business friendly roadmap that takes an investor from A to Z so we can get that speed to market quicker. I was glad to hear the mayor talk about how fast the Culver's transaction took place. That that's a that's a great thing. Um, however, most of the time it's very difficult uh, to jump through all the hoops, jump through all the red tape. And uh, again, if we had a really good, friendly roadmap to give to an investor to show them, here's point A, here's point Z, here's the steps, um, and so right off the bat they know exactly where they're going. So. So you mentioned zoning. What kind of zoning changes or adjustments are you hoping that we could this well, could make? One thing that that uh, and again some of, some of this is just based off what I'm seeing from a mile high view, but I feel like we need to because some of the zoning ordinances and stuff are so uh, old, we need to go through and maybe update some things. Technology has changed. Internet. Uh, 5G, computer systems, things of that nature, and uh, comb through that zoning process and um, and do some updating to for the for this day and age. Um, I spoke to someone that uh, today that used to work with the uh, city of Rushville, for instance, and uh, they went through a big process of updating their zoning back a few years ago. And what was interesting about that is once they begin to update it, they begin to actually try to work through it. And then they discovered where it didn't work, where it did work. And so that process even became very organic for them. So they were able to move out things that kind of were roadblocks to businesses to make a smoother transition. So just it's a process, but I I think we could dive into it and update it for uh, for this time that we live in. So, um, Clay, you, you mentioned infrastructure. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of work into that. Um, the mayor's office and the role as you view for, for infrastructure planning going forward. Uh, I know over the course of the last two months, as we've had all of the, the other city candidates come through, a mm. uh, big part of the infrastructure conversation has been the state road three corridor. Yes. Tell us, tell us, you know, if, if there's a Morgan administration, what does the infrastructure side look like for Newcastle? Well, th- that, that project in particular, um, so um, the way I'm thinking about that is right off the bat, and in, in, uh, depending on how the election goes, I would uh, contact, if I end up winning, I would contact a lot of the business owners, managers through that whole corridor um, and set up a meeting for uh, the first meeting anyway for January 
and begin to talk about logistics, begin to talk about, you know, how, how people are going to get from point A to point B. Uh, how's this going to impact your business? What do you see as future issues? Um, and then one thing we discovered that night when we had the public hearing is they're working off old maps. So they don't even have the Culver's or the BMV, uh, that area, uh, Domino's. I don't even think had Domino's on their, the map they're working from yet. So there's got to be some adjustments there too. Um, and then begin to work within DOT on the issue. One thing I'm concerned about is the, uh, the signaling. Uh, the emergency signaling system, uh, because one of the reasons they say we need to do this is for public safety. So if it's for public safety, then we really need to to stir the pot a little bit to get them to also include in this project paying for uh, a lighting system where our emergency vehicles can actually change the light uh, if they're on a run. That way they don't get stuck in traffic. Whereas where Greenfield has an area that they can kind of go around a little bit, Newcastle won't have that. So they, fire trucks, ambulance, police will literally be stuck in traffic at a red light um, for possibly, you know, minutes. And that, that could be a big deal. So hopefully we can work within DOT to get that, that accomplished also. All right. So, Greg, tell us uh, from your perspective, the infrastructure side, if you want to comment on the State Road 3 project or larger level uh, infrastructure for the city and how, how you view it from the mayor's office. <laughs> You're talking about two totally different things right. when you talk about the State Road Three project and infrastructure. Project. Yeah, right. And we got we got time. We can we can do both for sure. Uh, I, I know one is one ends in dot. Right. They're they're kind of running the show on one, and the other is is more the bread and butter of what the city can handle. For example, the uh, the bridge on thirty eight. Uh, they put that bridge in, and uh, they inconvenienced us for a year over a year. It was a year late. <laughs> So uh, in, in bartering and begging and arguing and, and fighting with them, uh, one of the large pieces of this puzzle, we have an investor that wants to buy Westwood Golf Course, and uh, it's, it's a goal of mine to have a water tower out on the land that we the city owns, the Mary Wyland land. We have water that goes out to Denny Drive. We have no sewer. Why a mayor would run one utility and not the other utility? Uh, I have no idea, but uh, I had like three quarters of water and sewer where I live. Yeah, I, 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 I was there a few times. <laughs> Greg has been digging up my yard for two years, uh, personally trying to do repairs. Uh, you know, and the, and the bad part about that was behind your house on Southview Drive. That was the third highest bacteria creek in in all of Indiana, and. Uh, when we had to fix it, there was just there's no two ways about the it. The tomato plants were beautiful, though. Yeah, yeah, it, it grew well and fast. Uh, <laughs> very but very to, bright green grass. Back to West 38. Uh, during that process, we had them go ahead and uh, on the south side of the road, they they bored uh, a water line. So we have a sleeve underneath the water line or underneath the river already when we run new water out there or run it back in. On the west side of the road, which uh, Denny Drive. Uh, everybody knows it. It's nothing new. Denny Drive sewer is worse than what White Estates was. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, to the point that uh, they're they're uh, gasping. Some of them uh, are in, in very bad shape. Front yards, backyards, both. On the west, uh, on the north side of the road, we uh, had them put a sleeve through for sewer. So. 
we didn't look at that project and say, oh, just put the bridge across, get the bridge up, Russ. We're looking ahead, look for the future. So we already have a, a, a water sleeve and a, a sewer sleeve put through uh, for the, the future growth to, to go west. Uh, I feel like one of these days uh, uh, a strong, strong area for Newcastle to grow in will be west. Uh, Indianapolis is going to move east, and our city is probably going to head east. west. Well, I mean, you follow the map and follow the traffic. It's 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 uh, it's not too difficult to figure out. So, uh, if we're not ready for that, shame on us. Uh, if you go to the east side of town, our our water and sewer stops at Stonegate. Uh, well, I mean, it just it dead ends right there. Uh, you go to Walmart and and, and go east. It dead ends at uh, Duke Energy. Uh, I have a farmer that lives on the east side of the road. Says if I had city water and city sewer out here, I, I would develop this off in this farmland into housing. It, if if that was already connected, and and we already have a, a contractor that has that pricing put together for us to 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 loop that to connect that. Uh, I feel like Newcastle. I've always been told Newcastle is going to grow to Spiceland. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but I feel like Newcastle would grow to Louisville before it would grow to Spiceland if we could loop that and get city water and city sewer out there. Uh, at the present time, Spiceland is our the city's largest water account. We have water that goes underneath Road 3, or, or all, down Road 3, all the way to underneath 70. Uh, God has blessed Newcastle with a lot of water and good water, and uh, I, I feel so sorry for Spiceland. They had six wells; they're down to three, mm. and they have uh, dug test wells. They've tried to redig the wells they've had. They've spent big bucks on on trying to get water, and, and, and I, it's like seventy is a dividing line. They've had a very difficult time hitting water, so. Uh, we we already have water down to there. We we have a, a study working on a study right now about taking sewer on down further, uh, but then we get up uh, at at four hundred and five hundred. Uh, that that's South Henry's sewage area. So uh, we're we're not going to encroach on them. But if we can help them out, or if they can help us out to recruit a business, we would do that. Uh, the biggest thing right now is uh, Boar's Head is. Uh, they're in process of building right now, doubling in size. Well, uh, I have no idea why any mayor would think that when sewage runs downhill behind Jamestown that they could put it in a smaller pipe, but they did. Uh, it goes from 20-inch, uh, and when it got to the rain tree end, it, 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 they funneled it down to an 8-inch, uh, turned it a 90-degree turn, and when you're Floating turds down a pipe. Start, you don't start like to create 90, some resistance. You don't like. Yeah, it starts backing up, not flowing. Uh, so we have increased that. And actually, when they were out putting the new road in at, at Walmart in that little stretch right there, uh, we we have prepared and we already have from. We've already went underneath Road Three. We're on the east side of the road with a 36 inch line. We're underneath all all the way underneath Road Three past Jamestown, behind Jamestown, and it, it went from a 20 to 24-inch 24 inch, 24 inch to 20-inch to 16-inch going down the hill behind 
to Spiceland Pike. So at this present time, uh, we have a 36-inch line from uh, the rain tree in all the way to the sewage plant, all the way down Spiceland Pike. So uh, I, I don't know why uh, a mayor would think that, well, that's a good area to put uh, – we don't have to commercial park. We don't have to say which mayor, but what how what era would that have been done in? Uh, Back in the fifties, seventies, nineties. I think James Town was built in the seventies. Okay, so it would is it's been uh, late, 40, late 40 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Long long time ago. All right. Any conversation on the city infrastructure side, Clay? I know you shared your your ideas on the state road three side. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, my my concern, and again, obviously, uh, Mayor York has more uh, inside scoop on this. He's been there twelve years, but my one of my concerns is with expansion is what do we, what are we doing to the hub? So I know that we we've had previous issues with our um, our wastewater system that were fixed back a few years ago, uh, but there's still a lot of issues there, um, and so. You know, one of my concerns just off from, again, a mile high view off the top of my head is I'm wondering what impact all the expansion would have on an already fragile system. So my my perspective would be to go in and make sure we shore up the hub and then look to expand so that we don't kind of get the cart before the horse. Well, that hub is exactly why we got Boar's Head. Yeah. Our sewage plant. The, yeah. They had already interviewed uh, 43 people, and they had it down to three. 43 okay. communities? 43 communities. And and yeah. they came to Newcastle, and they said, if this happens, this will happen very quickly. Yeah. And it did. And yeah. uh, the reason that Boar's Head is here today is because we took them a tour through the sewage plant, and, and the volume that they need, yeah. uh, they said, we've never had another mayor proud of their sewage plant before now uh, that sewage plant is uh needs a 33 million dollar shot in the arm right and uh it's it's a, a project in works and until somebody comes up with 33 million dollars we have the personnel there that knows that facility like the back of their hand but uh it, it only we're only using about 33% of the capacity. So we have kind of, a so, lot of room yeah. to grow. Yeah. Do you and, uh, need new clarifiers? What, what do we, what's $33 million get us expansion? What's the, what's, what's broken? Everything. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's, that's the point I'm making. Like the capacity's there. Um, you know, I've been working with, uh, in a, uh, engineer firm, yeah, over this past six to nine months, uh, looking at Newcastle's water, the capacity, uh, what we're able to do, what we're not able to do. And like I was on the council when Boar's Head came to town and, uh, you know, our water, our availability, our, our uh, capacity, uh, like the mayor said, was very attractive. But again, on the flip side, there is an issue. Um, we have the capacity, but the systems are wearing out. There are. Tremendous opportunities for the community. I, I was absolutely last last month. I was at a uh, what's called OTEC, which is like the Ohio Technical Engineering Conference, and I was I happened to be eating a sandwich with the guy that's like the public works director for Marysville, Ohio, and he's like, "We are begging off of they've, they've got data centers. Ohio is full of all of these like Google, Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're all building data centers. And like we've run out of water. I'm like, what do you need water yeah. for for a data right. center? And they're like, 
for cooling. Uh, they're yeah. they're they they build these things and and they they consume so much water. They're like we have tapped out of water. That's yeah. going to be the thing we run out of for anything else. Those, those are things I've over the again over the past year I've been looking into asking questions uh, again looking at where technology is today where the world's headed um, and I've been asking those types of questions and finding out do we have the capacity for that uh, can Newcastle uh, you know are are we the type of community that could house some things like that uh and uh so that's again that's where i found out yeah we do have plenty of capacity but we just have to shore up um the working of the system so throughout the two months we've been having these conversations with the candidates and i think i think lynn purdue made a really good point last week talking about the existing home stock we have and we were having this this talk about hey growing growing the community versus you know, we, 17, 18,000 people is what we've had as the headcount, the population of Newcastle yeah, for, yeah. for a couple of decades. Um, and then you look just to the West, you know, Greg, you, you mentioned that, you know, we're going to, West is where it's going to grow, right? Um, thousand new building permits in the last year in Hancock County, and we've had 32 in Henry County. Um, is, are we ready as a community to start, start new stick built homes in, in city limits or for city utilities to, to do that so we can grow the tax base and, and solve some of these sure. other issues? We've, uh, behind uh, the YMCA right now, you know, we've got 80, 40 condos and 40 new homes going up there. We're working with uh, three different properties right now that uh, between the three will probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 280 homes. So, yeah, but it, you got to be shovel-ready. you got to have water and sewer to it. Uh, shovel-ready doesn't mean there's a field right there that you can start digging. Shovel-ready means... That you can, they can tap into water and sewer immediately. So, no, we we are uh, in process right now of of talking to uh, builders and investors that that uh, in three different projects. It's it's around two hundred and seventy five to two hundred eighty homes that will be mid price range, uh, anywhere from two seventy five to three fifty. That is affordable housing for uh, clutching my pearls because two seventy five is I'm not. I am mentally not prepared for houses to not be $100,000, $150,000 anymore. I well, know that's not where they are. For $275,000, you're not going to get much. No. Uh, for a new home, you're not going to get much for $275,000. But the, the demand will be there, and people will buy them, and, and the community will grow. Uh, the other scary flip side of that, the hospitals working diligently to recruit good doctors. Uh, you know, Our hospital is uh, a, a, an outstanding hospital. And we don't have one property to show a doctor in Newcastle. Not not one not one property of the the home that they could afford. The you know the the, the type of house that they want to live in. Uh, a doctor would have to move somewhere else for us to be able to show them a property that that we could entertain them on a tour. To so what, I don't want to promote that. Well, you know, you can live south of Muncie. You can live in Muncie. You can. I don't want them to live in Greenfield and drive here. I want them to live in Newcastle. You want a so. four seven three six two zip code exactly. Yep. Uh, any anything on the, the housing options? Yeah, side? Jer- Jeremiah. I think I'm more like you. Like, uh, you know, I I live in a different world. Evidently, um, you know, I look at these two hundred seventy five thousand dollar to three hundred fifty thousand dollar homes, and to me, I'm thinking those those would be nice homes for a doctor. Uh, I've currently been uh, working with a doctor that's been advising me on some certain uh, issues 
uh, with our community over the past, again, year to, to nine months to a year. And uh, the home they live in, um, you know, they made a comment actually about the pricing of houses. And they looked at me and they're like, wow, that, that would be a great home for me, you know. Um, and then they talked about the house they live in. So uh, to me, I, I noticed in the show notes you have, are, you know, are we a community that needs to be building homes or are we a community that needs to maybe remodel some older homes? And I, I think there's room for both, obviously. If a private investor wants to come in and throw some money in the pot, um, and again, like what's happening at Northfield Park, um, my understanding is uh, it's created in such a way that a lot of the tax revenue uh, can go back into that area to help with the infrastructure in the future. Um, you know, one thing about building all the brand new properties all at one time, all the maintenance also starts coming all at one time. So you have to prepare for that. Um, my son and um, uh, daughter-in-law, you know, they've been looking around for homes, things like that. And I'm more like you. I'm more in the $100,000 range uh, as a good starter home. Um, you know, so what we're hoping to find is maybe something more in the 70-ish range that we can remodel or something like that. And uh, I think that would be a good use for some of the homes that we have that are empty around town. Of course, some of those may come available. You get the new three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand dollars houses, and all of a sudden, the, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. eighty to one hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars house becomes available, and you can. You can I definitely do. don't think it's an all or nothing uh, situation. All right, I uh, want to stop and say thank you one more time here to uh, to Wyland's Flowers and uh, Slick Pickle Sanitation for your support of the candidate series. It's been been awesome throughout the uh, throughout the year. Um, I want to start with you, Greg. On the uh, we've heard a lot about transparency and community engagement and. In ways the city can uh, can make sure that uh, there's visibility in what's happening in city government. Um, what is your uh, your view, and how how do you think the next four years? I know the open door laws have been uh, are requiring now for city meetings to be streamed, which I know the city's done the last couple of years uh, with Aaron Dickens' work in the live stream um, and Dakota's tech support to Aaron uh, trying to trying to get it on the air. Uh, but transparency and community involvement. Um, a great way to start the conversation. Well, yeah, we've uh, what I consider high tech. Anytime we, we put it online, it, it, that that's a huge step up for me. Uh, but as far as transparency goes, uh, everything that happens within the city, you can get online and it's at your fingertips. Now, there's the numbers from the state board of accounts. It's public information, public knowledge. Uh, there's nothing hid there from anybody at any time. You can you can get on that if you want to see it. If anybody wants to come in and needs a copy of it, they come into the clerk's office and they can get it. Uh, I, I feel like that I'm the most accessible mayor that there has ever been. Uh, anybody wants to talk about anything, they 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 don't have to come to my office to catch me. They see me out on the road, stop and talk, and and they do a lot. I, I get a lot of conversation out on the road, so uh, it, it's really. Uh, with technology today, as high-tech as it is, any information that you want, it's at your fingertips. I mean, it's all public knowledge. So do we need to have more meetings as far as updated? Uh, yeah, we, we probably could. Uh, I, I am not saying that we're not going to, not saying that we are, but uh, there's a lot of things that could be done. On the administrative side, I know in the in the two months, it's kind of been like a, a focus group. I feel like we've run here with with council candidates and, and clerk treasurer folks. Um, 
heard a lot about ordinances being harder to find. Are there ways, and maybe it's not the mayor's office that can do it, but ways the city can try to publish ordinances and, and maybe be searchable or easier to easier for folks to understand what the rules are? The, easier for me to get online and find it or easier for you to anybody, get online and I, anybody find it? I, 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 all of the above i know a lot of us use beacon right the the community right. uses beacon and you can you get all kinds of information available there that the government employees use but then the public does as well yeah, yeah well i mean we have them all the ordinances are posted you can get online and find them uh, do we need to put it first in line on the city's website i don't know if that's if that's the answer then you know we'll move it up the list or 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 make it easier to find so uh, there's not a yes answer or no answer to that. They're all digital. It's not like you have to go get a copy, come into City Hall or whatever. They're all digital. You just have to know how to find it. Yes. All right. Very good. Uh, Clay, I know this has been a a big conversation piece with your campaign. Tell us uh, what transparency and accountability and community involvement mean mean to your your side and your campaign. Yeah, so something I look forward to is, uh, as far as the city web, like the mayor mentioned, the State Board of Accounts and things like that. There's Indiana Gateway. There's uh, Indiana Government State Board of Accounts website. There's a lot of these outside sites that you can go and find information if you know how to look it up. Um, but there's, on our city website, uh, there's places that you go, and the first most updated thing you see is from 2013. And so with, again, today's technology, there's no reason why we shouldn't have a fully functional, uh, high-tech, ready website that uh, young people know how to operate and get on and people in their 20s and 30s know how to, you know, they can maneuver around quickly to find information. Um, You take a look at the, an example that I could give is the city of Lawrence. You look at their website. It's very good, very good, very streamlined, very transparent, very open. Um, so anyways, we can do some updates, uh, 100% update our website uh, to make it quick, easy, accessible. Um, the other thing is uh, I would like to do, I, again, with the availability of technology, once a month have an open, maybe a podcast, video podcast. Uh, I know the we're not Miami, but the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, he does uh, a podcast. Uh, Miami of Florida, not Miami of Ohio. Exactly, Miami, Florida. And, uh, you know, you can you can share things that's taking place in the within the month. You can answer questions. You could have a guest on, maybe a department head, uh, a teacher, someone in the community, uh, someone that's looking for business. I mean, like Francis Suarez, you know, he's, it's Miami, Florida, so he'll have Gary Vee on, you know, uh, looking to invest in Miami. So there's things like that, that people, and uh, we have uh, Lee Markham. I think they're equals personally. Exactly. Exactly. Get Lee on, right? Um, Facebook, uh, everybody's on there, you know, have a good functional updated Facebook site. And, and, uh, you know, you take a risk there, obviously, because you're going to get some stuff on there that you probably don't want to see or deal with. But and as a government uh, social media site, you can't delete it or block. So, uh, but I think it's I think it's I think it's good for the people. And one more thing. So I brought an example. I'll hold it up for the camera. This is the city of Lawrence. This is their municipal budget for 2020. It's a like textbook looking every city fund. Every balance, everything. Pull back in front of that mic for me, Claire. Sorry about that. Everything uh, in the city budget is right here in this book. They have 
you know, you can print 10 to 15 of those up. You can have them available at the chamber, at the mayor's office, at the uh, library, and it's readily available at all times. So anybody they, they has print this after they adopt their budget. Yes, yes, that is the printed version after the budget. And so anybody can go and look at any department and see the budget for that year. And then also, when your website is fully updated and, and functional, um, there's PDF versions of that on on the website. So and it just as pretty. You know, and, and anybody at any time can go on their website, the City of Lawrence, and even pull up the previous month's fund balances for every single city fund, from general fund to the utilities at, uh, at the end of every month. And it probably takes them a week or two to get it all on there. But like right now, we're in November. I don't know if you could see October's yet, but I know you could see September's. And every city balance. That way, nobody's blindsided whenever uh, you find inf- certain information out that you weren't privy to. Uh, it's all right there, available in a couple clicks. All right. So on this, the last item I have for us in the transparency and the community, really, this is more community engagement focused. But I know from my side, and Greg, you've talked about directions the city, city may grow. Um, that sounds an awful lot like the comprehensive plan um, that, that the city would have. And I, I know I was involved when Henry County did ours. I was on the steering committee for Henry, Henry County's. Um, tell, can you tell us about the city's comprehensive plan and if, there, if you think we need to update or what the process is for, for bringing that along so that we have community input as to, hey, here's the roadmap for what we want the next 5, 10, 15 years to yeah, look like? Yeah, we have a comprehensive plan, and, and uh, we've accomplished a lot of that, lot of that comprehensive plan, and, and we, we, we add to it. Uh, we have a, a parks comprehensive plan, that, the, uh, a five-year plan that we, we add to it as we accomplish things. We, we add to it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we go back to uh, <laughs> the company that we had to pay $50,000 to do it, but but we, we have a comprehensive plan that, that we work on and uh, very proud of, of what the accomplishments that we have. And, and we, we continue to add goals to that. So the community essentially buys, pays for it one time or buys, buys a plan, and then it's a, a living document, and you're, you amend it as it goes along. Mm-hmm. All right. Any, any thought given to, to the comprehensive plan side? Yeah, of play? yeah, absolutely. I've looked through it a little bit, and like the mayor said, there has been some things accomplished. Uh, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong, but I think the last one that was done was 2017. Um, so, what, six years old? Um, do we need a new one? I, I think that's definitely a conversation to have with everything that's changed. Um, you know, do those comprehensive... It's older than the maps you the to, pictures in well, used to design State exactly, Road 3. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, you know... Got uh, like got comprehensive plan pre culvers and post culvers. We got exactly it's a, it's exactly, a landmark time. Exactly. So, do we need a new one? Uh, I think it's a conversation to have. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Um, all right. So, Greg, tell us tell us about the financial side. I I learned last week that the count the city versus the way the county operates or the way the state operates. The state adopts a budget every two years. Uh, city of Newcastle does it every year. Budget every year. So you're you're right in the heart of the budgeting process right now. No, it just got approved. It's oh, over. It's done. It's now done. We're, now you got 361 days until you do it again, right? Right. So what's what's that process look like? How do we get to where? Okay, we've got an, a budget adopted, and you move on. What's what's it, that look like? Well, that's clerk treasurer. That's not the mayor's office. That's clerk treasurer. 
she gets with the department heads, looks at what they spent last year, what they need up and coming, which there's always a shortfall of what we need. And uh, she works very closely with them. And uh, then once she talks to them, gets it on paper, gets with myself, gets with the finance committee, and the finance committee goes over it. And uh, we either adopt it or change it or, or, or shift some things around. And uh, we always lived within our, our budget. And uh, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. But we've never overspent our, our budget. And uh, we uh, work very hard on it every year. All right. Um, Clay, do you have any comments on the budgeting process? And I know, I know I've heard your campaign speaking significantly about the health insurance side. So I wanted to, wanted to make sure we had that opportunity to talk. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, like the mayor said, according to Indiana Code, the budget starts with the clerk treasurer and the department heads. And then similar to, uh, the way the department heads in the county would speak to the auditor, uh, process I went through many times. Uh, however, then the auditor, uh, presented it to the council who then adjusted the budget. Uh, on the city side, uh, it is the mayor that is responsible for the revision and the review of the budget. So the clerk treasurer will get with department heads. They set the budget. They, they go through it and do however the clerk treasurer sees fit with the department heads. And then it goes to the mayor. The mayor then has the authority over the budget to review and revise the budget. And then once the mayor has had his say or her say uh, over the budget, then the clerk treasurer takes it again according to the mayor's revisions, and then they present that budget to the council. And what a lot of people uh, are learning, uh, this has been definitely a year of civics class. What a lot of people are learning is on the city side, the council has very little authority over the budget. They can reduce a line item. They can vote no. If they vote no, it reverts back to the previous year. They cannot transfer funds between different lines or from department to department, whereas on the county side, the county council, we had the authority to do that. We, we controlled the budget for the most part. Uh, and that's similar to how the mayor's position operates on the city side with the review and the revision. Um, as far as the health insurance fund, uh, that, that, and the mayor has been open about uh, the concern of that fund. Um, actually, <clears throat> there's a few things on that fund in particular uh, because we do hear COVID being used a lot as a reason, but before COVID, that fund was actually around negative $4.9 million. So um, at the beginning of 2012, there was about $9,000 in that fund. At the end of 2012, there were zero. At the end of 2013, it was about negative 13000 and it continued to grow. Um, and then 2020 is when everyone found out that it was negative uh, 4.9, and they began to work on a plan, and then – Later, it was uh, almost negative $6 million. and that was discovered last year in November and where a couple people in a council meeting even commented they were blindsided by that because they had already passed the budget, and then they discovered that there was a $6 million deficit in the insurance fund. Uh, June 30th of this year, the insurance fund was negative $7.8 million. so it continues to grow. Now, here's, here's the problem because – 
you've heard me, everybody's heard me talk a lot about overdrawing and deficits. Okay. That all is true. That's even according to State Board of Accounts. We have overdrawn funds. However, one thing like uh, one of the mayor's recent pieces on the general fund, I've never said the general fund was negative. The general fund has always been positive, but the general fund is one of many funds. So here's, for instance, May 30th of this year, there's bank account one. The city has bank account one. The general fund is one of 72 different funds in that account. May 30th, granted, before the tax draw of June, May 30th, that bank account had a balance of a little over a million dollars to the positive. However, within that account, there were four to five funds that were overdrawn to the tune of negative $9 million dollars. So it's, it's, it's shuffling money. You may have more money in one fund than the other fund, and so you can pay the bills with the money from the other fund, very similar to when I was on the county council and our insurance fund went negative. We were negative $780,000, so we were able to borrow money from ourselves because we had money in other funds, and then we were able to pay that back uh, within six months. And just let me run... Real quickly here, in 2022, the general fund ended positive $299,000. However, the general fund was overspent by $184,000. So the money that came in last year compared to the money spent, it was overspent by $184,000, but we had money on the front end, so that's how we could end positive. And then another thing... uh, All city funds, when you look at the total of all city funds, that's the government side and the utility side, okay? All city funds in 2022 were overspent by $5.9 million out of all the money that came in and all the money that went out. However, we ended positive with a positive balance because we started the year with $14 million. So it's, it's the trend that we need to be careful of. So another, for instance, and I'll I'll shut up after this and take a breath, but for instance, the government side, if you leave the utility side out, because the utility money has to stay in the utility realm, but the government side, where the government functions, street department, general fund, insurance, EMS, all those things. There's some latitude for the city to make adjustments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So – In 2022, the year-end balance of the government fund, the government side, was $4.1 million to the positive. However, what's concerning is the insurance fund was negative $6.9 million. So you, you start with the pool of money, and you can function off that pool for so long, but if the spending trend continues... It will just be a a few years before there's trouble because you have to have that revenue coming in to continue to cover that overspending. So I'm going to let the mayor get back into into the conversation here. Um, Is there an ebb and flow to the the cash reserves of a a city? Is that the the way that you view 
view this? It's well, a, there always is, but then uh, November 10th, 15th gets here, and you get the tax draw. That changes everything. You go through October, November, things are tight, and, and you get your tax draw, and it changes everything. Let's go back to infrastructure. Uh, we're finishing up our, our uh, storm separation, which uh, when we did the White Estates project, uh, there was government funds there that, yeah. that we did the ochre funds that helped yes. pay for it. Yeah. Paid it for when a, we office that. of community and rural affairs. Yeah, I I always give our guests hell if they use acronyms without saying what they are. So I did it myself there. I caught myself so when we did the uh, uh, run the new water and sewer line to uh, the new prison and the new jail for the for the county. There was funds there from the state. Uh, we've been working on uh, the long-term control plan for uh, 15, 16 years now, and and there is absolutely it, it's state mandated. It is not a choice. It has to be done. Separate the stormwater from the sewer water, and uh, that's that's a twenty-two million dollar project that we have absolutely no choice. Has to get done. Has to get paid for. That'll be done in early 24. Yeah. So that those dollars will offset, help help offset yeah. uh, insurance. Now, uh, the money that paid for that, I assume it was bond. The, the city had to bond for the for the wastewater separation dollars, or some of it, uh, or some straight all, out of not, the. Not all of it. No. So some of we it will out of what our water and sewer, uh, our sewer. That does have stormwater fees, and I mean, if, if you have a roof or have a driveway, you, you you pay a fee for where that water goes to. A lot of people don't like that, but that's it, we don't have any choice. That, if they, that has to happen. If they say I want a convertible house, can I get the stormwater? No, nope, because if it, no, if you have a yard, it's still got to go to a sewer <laughs> drain somewhere. All right. So it, it, a, a single person, it, there, there's no one silver bullet. This has got to be attacked from about twelve different angles. If uh, a single person that hires in at Newcastle pays $46 a month for life insurance, for health insurance, not not life, health insurance, free doctor's calls, free meds, free x-rays, there's nobody else in America getting the coverage that we have for $46 a month. Uh, a married person gets uh, uh, one child or five children pays $96 a month. So there's got to be some adjustments everywhere. Now, the, the caveat to that is is uh, we made we were the only one that that stayed with it, but we did not do a carve out. The, the school did a carve out, a spousal carve out. Uh, the school did a spousal carve out. The the hospital did a spousal carve out. The county did a spousal carve out, and and I signed a contract with our uh, city employees that we would not do a spousal carve out for three years. Here's the problem: that spousal carve out. That could cause a person, if that, if that person's husband or wife has the opportunity to get insurance at their work, that could cost them $900 to $1,800 a month. Now, you talk about making a difference in a household, in a two-income household. Uh, so w- w- we've made a commitment to, and we only have one year left on that. And as, as I hate to say, we're probably going to have to do away with the spousal carve-out. Uh, but the the people that have taken advantage of this and it has helped the most it is might, is our it, employees. It may be a five hundred or thousand dollar a month difference in their well, in their budgets. Can't can't speculate on that. I mean, everybody's insurance is different. Uh, but the situation is, we will have money from 
what we're spending on the long-term control plan, we won't have those bills after uh, early in 24. Our long-term control plan will uh, help offset that. We've, we've got land that we've sold. Uh, it, it's just a good business plan to get that paid down, and, and it certainly will not take no 18 years to get it paid down. I mean, you have to know a little bit about so tell, numbers. And tell about us about the, land, the cities in the land-owning business. What, what are we selling? Uh, we is it like land bank stuff, or is it like no, future no, future development land? What, no, what? land bank is your your other question on here right. about uh, the city has started taking properties out of the the, the the tax sale. I'm sick and tired of somebody from Phoenix or Canada buying a uh, property at a tax sale online and not doing their due diligence and finding out that it's not rehabable, and and so you know they'll pay the taxes on to to purchase it. And then when they see it's not rehabable, then they uh, let it go, and it's tied up with them for three years in the legal system. So we've started a land bank that the city gets that first opportunity to buy that that property at the tax sale. And we ask for uh, the taxes to be forgiven, but we still have to have a title search done on it. So we still have $1,100, $1,200 in it uh, in the title search and all the legal fees. So uh, that's been very successful. We've sold 12 properties. We've demoed properties out of that, uh, and it's helped us clean up some lots. But, but back to the other side of that, uh, the city owns all the, all the land in between Wilbright School and Salvation Army. Uh, that was donated to the city years ago. We farm it out and, and, and make peanuts on it each year, farming it out. Uh, that's one of the properties that we have a, a, an investor be sold to a developer for homes to be built or something. Sold to a developer uh, out of Jeffersonville that wants to come in, put uh, 40 to 50 homes there. We've just sold. we going down to Hillsborough Road, go past uh, the softball diamonds, and uh, we, we just sold uh, 35 acres there. Uh, and we have three or four other properties that, that we don't need to be in real estate business. We, we need to sell it and and use the money and, more wisely. And, and those are all in-city limits, so potentially no, they're no, not? No. Can you well, annex them in before uh, no. bef- before that this the, the, before they go you so they can. become? You can. Go ahead. <laughs> it's no, Number one, it's got to be contiguous. Okay. You, you will never hear the word annex uh, come out of my mouth unless there is no homes on it yet. Right. Well, that's like, what I'm saying like is if you've got empty parcels and you say, hey, I want to make these a part of the city so that when they – when somebody builds in there, then they then you're growing the city, right? If it's contiguous, yeah. Uh, now, so your your property at Wilbur Wright is, I assume that one's in, in the that city is now. In the city limits, yeah. yes. Now it, it, here's what's stupid because somehow Spiceland's contiguous. It looks like Alaska going down State Road Three, that little <laughs> narrow side, but it's well, contiguous. Well, get off on Spiceland Pike. <laughs> the first two houses are not in the city limits. Right. Then it takes a dog leg, and three houses are in the city limits, and then. Two houses next door to that are not in the city limits. Uh, they must not have had straight rulers back in the day when they when they, they drew the so the, the, the good line, so the, the expected good public policy is to if you're going to annex something in it's going to be large chunks and it's all going to be a part of the same. Uh, we had a developer that wanted to develop the west side of Spiceland Pike and was pretty much promised that he would have city water and city sewer, and uh, didn't happen. And it, it cost him uh, <laughs> big bucks to have to dig wells and mm. put septic tanks in. And so, yeah, there are some areas that, that it could be beneficial. But you, you, you can't let somebody build a house and then say you want to annex them in. 
that that just it's uh, that's suicide. Uh, besides that, you said a while ago you need sidewalks. Well, years ago, the city annexed Red River Estates, all Red yeah. River back there. Uh, we just put uh, new roads back there, every one of those roads. But the truth, to, the moral to the story is we still owe them streetlights. We still owe them sidewalks. And, you know, they're incorporated. And there's no way the city will ever be able to, to, so, to finance sidewalks so, and lights out there. So in theory, because this is we've had a lot of sidewalk conversation in the last two months on here too, Zach. In theory, you get your sidewalk once for free. And then after that, then you got to pay for it yourself. Is that the is that the... The no. way it's supposed to work? Yes, no. Uh, <laughs> there are Cause if it, areas that, that uh, if the sidewalk is already there, yes, you own it. It's your sidewalk. If there were sidewalks in white estates, you would own your sidewalk. Now, we have a fund to help build those uh, and repair those sidewalks, but uh, in, in that particular case, at, at, uh, in that neighborhood, there were no sidewalks there. So if the city uh, was going to put sidewalks in, yes, the city would pay for it, then they own it. But uh, it, there's not a law saying that you have to uh, provide a sidewalk for them. On businesses, we have said anything contiguous to Road 3, that they do need a sidewalk in front of their all, all businesses, all new businesses that, that are developed, whether it's Indiana or no matter where it's at, that they do have to have sidewalks. All right, in front of their location. I, I took us down a rabbit hole, but I'm just thinking that one day I'm going to get to. This is the time of the year. I'm I'm never normally. I'm I'm not jealous that I'm not in city limits, right? I like my low taxes, and I I do I do like my clean city water, and my sewers. But we get a hell of a lot of leaves, and I'm so jealous of everybody that can blow their leaves out to the side the side ditch, and then the magical vacuum truck comes by and sucks up all the leaves for them. That's that, just mow them. That's just a. I, 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 I'm so jealous, and that's what I do. I, I, there have been years I light them on fire in the front yard, and the, in, you know, because I'm in the country. Did you rake them first, or just towards uh, the yard? Leaf blow them, and then a uh, little fire pit, and you burn them. But then I left a lot of burn spots in the yard. Uh, it's okay. The, the city reseeded it all when they dug it up, anyway. But uh, it was. Uh, Did it help the regrowth? <laughs> I mean, you no, know, I just no. It was a, it was pretty well a black spot. So I learned my lesson on that one. But I am jealous of the back truck because I see I drive down Main Street and I see everybody gets to blow their leaves out there, and that's the that's the city service that's underrated. You well, go to Audubon, and that's every day. I mean, there, yeah. St. James, Audubon, and there are some roads that it's it's not just once a week. It's I, I think if the Lee Walker could get rid of, the, I might be off. Yeah, if Lee Walker could get rid of the leaf truck. He probably the leaf back. I think it's a pain in his butt for roads like Audubon where. I live near that road, and Woodlawn's really bad too. And like, they don't, they can't coordinate, and so they'll blow all the leaves out in the street. And he goes down there, and they, and then the next day, it's like, oh, even numbers on this day, odd numbers tomorrow, and they just block the road again. It's never ending. I think it takes them like an hour to do one side of the road there. But yeah, and it's gonna snow. All right, let's let's start to work into the last segment of our uh, of our conversation here, uh, and that's the the main goals. Uh, Clay, I want to start with you on this. What what would your priorities be for the for the next four years? Um, the things that you would want to act on quickest, or the the top of the list for you. What's the what's the go to? Yeah, so so here's uh, my list right for the next four years, uh, I, and obviously some of these. Are, 
can't do single-handedly from the mayor's office. But uh, I'd like to see us develop an emergency mental health facility for adolescents. Um, I know our ER struggles with that right now. Uh, we've had young people have to stay there days upon days um, because they have difficulty finding a place for them. Uh, so I'd like to see us um, develop an emergency mental health uh, facility for adolescents. Uh, I would like to see uh, in some form or fashion with a collaboration of some sort to restore the high-risk EMS transports again because, again, the hospital is struggling with that right now. Uh, it's making it very, very difficult on uh, especially the, the emergency room and then some of the, the residents and uh, patients and family members there. Um, I would like to see us do, with, along with updating uh, the website and some of the other uh, technology capabilities that are out there, automatic water bill pay, just where you plug it in and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, a few more things. I've already talked about the updated website with uh, city account balances displayed. Um, we talked about the citywide infrastructure. Uh, make sidewalks a priority. Like the mayor said, uh, there's a sidewalk fund. Um, I would like to see us get our financial house in order in such a way that we can actually put more money into that fund because nothing makes a neighborhood look better than a fresh, good-looking sidewalk uh, that's not crumbling and all out of whack. And uh, with the amount of pedestrian traffic um, that we have and will potentially have in the future, uh, that will be a big plus. And then one last one uh, is uh, sustainable insurance planning. Um, you know, again, I went through this process when I was on the county council, um, and it was a long process, but I do believe that uh, within a couple years' time, working with the employees and their representatives and uh, getting advice from people who have experienced this situation in the past, I think we can work out a sustainable insurance plan that will be a win-win for everybody involved. All right. Uh, Mayor York, the the next four years, what are the the top priorities for you? What you want to tick off in the, in the next four year term? The same priorities that we've had. We're we've been working consistently on water main breaks and on infrastructure, uh, trying to get it updated, uh, trying to look uh, past our face, farther than our nose. Uh, we are going to have. The next 50 years, infrastructure ready for new business, ready for housing, ready for growth, because it's coming. I mean, financially, it's not free. Uh, so we've been chopping at it a little bit at a time, ahead of time. So uh, we have never won the, stel the Stellar grant before, but we've stayed with that Stellar plan. And uh, it's, it's as simple as this. Uh, there's no higher compliment. Than, than to see people come to town that that are excited about uh, the growth and the vitality that's in our community, and, and that's not that's more than any one person can do. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are uh, on the bus and in the right seats on the bus, and they're very excited about what they're doing and what how they're contributing to our community. So w we've got a plan for Newcastle to move forward and to go forward. Uh, and, and we're going to stick with that plan, and, and we're going to continue to grow. 
because uh, I said earlier, when you look west, it's coming our way. And uh, I'm just I'm excited to be able to be a part of of that uh, growth that we're going to prepare not for two years down the road. We're preparing for the next 50 years. A 36 inch sewer line that that's more than than we're going to use in the next five, 10 years. Um, what, what I didn't hear either of you talk about, and it's not a city city owned property at all, um, but I think it would potentially interface with the city. And that's the, this is a conversation we've had for the last four or five years with the county count, the county uh, folk is the, the expo center, the Henry County expo center. Um, and is there anything that the city can do or be involved with to try to get that project complete? Um, I, I know that we've, there's been a lot of talk and you've essentially got a half done project that's in the four, seven, three, six, two, um, that I'm told is waiting on, on city utilities. We've talked about utilities a lot tonight. Um, and that's for both of you. Is there anything the city can do to try to get that project complete and, and moved along? Would you build a house and not look into, does it have electricity capabilities, does it have water capabilities, does it have sewer capabilities, does it, does it have uh, all, all the utilities available? Yeah, the first five questions that, that before you build uh, any kind of facility, whether it's a church or a factory or a home or whatever it is, uh, and, and I don't know where by, uh, I, I'm for that project. But I don't know where everybody comes up with that it's the city's responsibility to to run water and sewer to it. Uh, number one, uh, nobody there's not been state approved plans given to the city saying that it needs a, a two inch line, a four inch line, or a six inch line. I do know this: the size of the building it has to have fire suppression and it has to have a, a separate water line. Uh, they say that they want to have barns and they want to have uh, uh, cattle, sheep, shows out there. Well, that's that's either straw, hay, sawdust. Well, there has to be a filtration system put in the sewer system separator before it gets to the city sewer line. <laughs> I, uh, I did endorse that with Kathy Hamilton, a letter of support. It was not a letter of financing the project. And from my understanding, the entities that are, are trying to raise money to finance it, it, if that goes south, then it's on the, the, it's the county the, commissioners. The, own the it. county owns it, yeah. So, I, I mean, why? why uh, uh, I'm doing something for them to get water across the street, but there's already water across the street. We have water on the east side that's on the west side. We have a six-inch line that goes to all of Memorial Park, and they reduced it to a four-inch line because they didn't want to pay for a six-inch meter. So, uh, you know, there are three or four entities out there that that, that don't agree on this project. And uh, it's not a city project. Here again, we have city water that comes underneath Road 3 by the lakes. We have city water that goes up 38, and it, it, it comes up uh, 50 uh, west to – there, there is the a county fire road hydrant. is that's near. There is a fire hydrant right at the gate of the county garage. That could be looped 
and it would probably create better water pressure out there for everybody. But I don't know if that's a quarter of a mile or, or a mile and a half. Nobody's given me dimensions. Nobody's given me sizes. So I, 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 I encourage them and hope that they come up with the financing to uh, finish the project. But if they don't, uh, our whole the city of Newcastle and the county has egg on our face. Yeah, I want the project to succeed, but I don't know how anybody could expect the city to pay for that. I mean, it, I, I, yeah. At the, at this point, it's almost like it's a shell building that needs that needs completed, right? Like it's a we've got it. Like it, it's it's an asset for the community, or it's it's close to being an asset for the community. But I I don't know what the answer is either. But I I know I folks some folks have asked me about it, so I wanted to make sure we we talked about it here today. Too. I, I don't want to see it fail, but I, I yeah. the city is not going to put any ownership in it. I mean. Yeah. It, It'll be it would be a water customer sewer customer for the city is, is what it would be. Yeah. Um, any comments on the expo side from you, Clay? I one hundred percent agree with Mayor York. <laughs> it's it, I, we can't do it. It's not feasible on the city side. All right. Um, walking paths. This is my. This is where I'm going to wrap up for myself here because you guys have all got the. Uh, I've got, I've you know, got, it's five got, minutes past my bedtime. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, running for re-election is tough. Hey, uh, you've been doing the media early circuit. I've been watching. I've been watching. You've been talking to everybody. He's an early riser. Somebody somebody owes me a, the last 800 feet of a walking path down to Woodbrook in Maine. I just want to know. I just want to know if somebody's going to make it a priority in the next four years to get sidewalks so that I can so that I can safely get back. To, I, I could get all the way to downtown on a walking path or a sidewalk if somebody will just complete that. And the two hundred people that are overtaxed for their sewer and water in White Estates all of a sudden can can participate in some of this cool stuff. Yeah, if uh, you look at that at Southview, it stops at Southview. But if you look at the other side of Southview, the the south side of Southview. There's like a five foot. You, you can't just stop it at the road. There, there. It, it really is on the south side. A five foot stretch that you have to, be able to accept a handicap accessibility. So, I'm not promising you, but but it is doable. So, if you talk to those homeowners and they want to help financially put a sidewalk in it, it it's it's doable. But I'm I'm told by the council members that it was the plan originally, and then something happened. It didn't it didn't happen. <laughs> but I, I I just feel like they. There's so much potential. I know. I know, the city council has been talking about trying to make things more walkable, and that's a. We yeah, can we can get a lot a more priority. pedestrian traffic done if that can happen. It's been a priority of the city council is to prove improve all of our sidewalks. All right. Yeah. I got some. I got some people from uh, from from Woodbrook in the chat right now <laughs> saying the same thing. It's a. There's a lot of young families that could benefit from it. Kids that could walk to Riley School and and the, and the like uh, if we can just get that done. All right, let's move into final thoughts here. Uh, chance to wrap anything up, anything we left out, priorities we didn't get to, uh, ways to help out. I know you all got one one weekend left of the campaign season here. We'll start with uh, Mayor York and work our way around the room. Uh, anything anything we need to clean up or finish up? Talked out. No, I, I just uh, I, I'm excited about where we're at uh, as a city. Uh, I, I feel like that uh, the enthusiasm at downtown, as far as businesses wanting to move back downtown, uh, the events that we have downtown. Uh, I remember when the, the chamber said, uh, "Well, we want to have the Christmas walk. We want to have choirs singing at 1400 Plaza, and we still want to have the same uh, inter, uh, choirs and." Uh, singers on the courthouse lawn and we want to close Broad Street and I thought oh my gosh 
we used to have a huge crowd at, around the courthouse. And uh, I thought, it's going to spread people out. It's going to look like we have nobody here. And actually, that's where you guys caught me was at the clock. Yep. And it was wall-to-wall people from the plaza to to the, the courthouse. So uh, from the chamber to the EDC to uh, we, we just, we've got everybody, uh, Main Street. Main Street just got a $2 million grant that, that gets to go back into downtown municipality. And we can even put it in uh, a building that the city owns, and, and it's – the Murphy Building, which needs it desperately bad, it's it's the worst paint job in all of downtown right now. So, uh, we just we got a lot of good positive things going business wise. Uh, we know that the the families are going to move to Newcastle. Jack's Donuts, uh, man, I, I'm so proud of Lee. I could almost cry. Uh, I used to go in Jack's Donuts 50 years ago and at two o'clock in the morning and hang out till three in the morning and and uh, gain 40 pounds that that summer. But it's in the third generation, and, and I was talking to Jack today, and uh, tears about came to his eyes that uh, third generation, we've got a young man that's growing up in our community that stayed in the community and putting a major, major business mm-hmm. in, in our community. So uh, we've we got a lot of people believing in our community. We've got a lot of people invest, private people investing money out of their own pocket in our community. So I, I feel like we're on a great path, and, and, and I'm excited about it. Very good. Uh, Producer Zach, any comments? Any, anything we clean up? I'm all for sidewalks as a runner. That's because you're a runner. Yeah. Yeah. Runner, yeah. 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 One of my cross country kids on a nice, and actually not a bad section of sidewalk bit it today and just neat blood running down his leg, but like it wasn't a bad section of sidewalk, but it was just sidewalks. There's blood on the city's hands. Yeah. Is this the accusation that you're wrapping us up with? No, there's blood on the field house floor though. Um, <laughs> But He's if you right. notice, there are a lot of sidewalks that that we have to uh, we're we're manda- state mandated to get our our intersections handicap accessible, yeah. not just yeah. downtown. It's yeah. all, all everywhere. The there's city. sidewalks yeah. all over the city. Anytime the streets get repaved, they come through and do do well, the uh, ramps too. Uh, yeah, but uh, there's even some roads yeah. that aren't being paved that we're we're fixing yeah. the sidewalks. Those corners are looking good. Are those the are those out of the city budget or yeah. is there that that's just you just have to do it? You have to do it. Yeah. All right. They look good. And it's the same thing when uh, NDOT does any work they come through before and they have to fix all those. Now whether they fix well, them, we, I'm, we'll, we'll, we could call into question if anyone wants to see how great NDOT is, go try to cross the street on Fourteenth and Broad. <laughs> try to go all four corners. And realize that the city, I believe, you put get the rails extra, in. If you walk all of those, you get an extra tenth of a mile walking it's up and down all the ramps that yeah, they built. Yeah, yeah. and I think the rails different. got put in by the city because people like no, face no, planted. No, 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 oh, did you not? You <laughs> got no, in not no, to do that. The no, rails. That that that, that was a that was truly a fist fight. Yeah, I, they did initially put them in there. Our nose were touching, <laughs> but uh, with so it took some, it took some coercion to get the rails in there. But no, other than that, yeah, I'm all about sidewalks, and, and people like to complain about the the path that leads towards Jeremiah's neighborhood. But as a runner, it's actually nicer than the sidewalks to run on, um, and probably to ride a bike on. But other than that, I think it's the greatest thing to happen on the south side of town. I just wish it went that last 800 feet so I could be included. You could just because my dogs and I have to dodge traffic on Main Street that doesn't quite go the 30 miles an hour that's posted. It's yeah. uh, it's a little sketchy, especially over the culvert. Other than that, Halloween seemed to go well. I was at the field house. They were doing candy and candy out. Kids seemed to be doing well. I know. I don't know how many kids my wife saw at the YMCA. 
for their trunk or treat. And then Audubon was its normal party atmosphere. Um, other than that, uh, hey, everybody, next week, get out and vote. Vote for people, especially locally. Vote for people. Don't vote for parties. They don't mean anything. And If anybody watched our show last week, you couldn't tell who, unless you saw their signs out front, you couldn't tell who the Republicans and the Democrats were, and it was mixed company, and they were work. They were all, everybody works together. So, very good. Uh, final thoughts for you, Mr. Clay. Yeah, so I'm sitting here thinking. Uh, the mayor mentioned downtown a lot, and that is one thing everybody talks about: how good things are looking and uh, the vibrancy down there, and and the look and how it's been improved over the past few years uh, in a tremendous way. I had a, had a customer actually today ask me this question because obviously I've been talking a lot about the city finances and they're like, well, so to get the city finances straightened up, are you going to like stop all the downtown stuff and then not be able to get elected a second term? <laughs> and, but the good thing about the downtown area is they, um, the organizations and individuals that have put that together uh, have put it together in such a way it's become a TIF district. So tax increment financing district where uh, a lot of the tax money that is produced there through the property and such goes right back into that area. So the way it's been created, it's kind of a, uh, to a certain extent, along with the private investment, a self-sustaining situation that can continue to grow. So, um, so I believe that we can work on the finance side and continue to keep what we're seeing downtown moving forward so that we can continue to get those compliments and those eyeballs on our city. Very good. Um, Final thought for me here real quick before we wrap up, Dakota could not make the show, but his, his perpetual question has been about chickens in the city and being able to raise raise poultry. And he got Mark Coger to cave at the beginning of this candidate series saying, fine, Dakota, whatever, as long as you take the phone calls, they're okay. So I want to hear from each of you guys if maybe there's a chance we could have some backyard poultry in the city. Uh, if it's not a no, I'll, t- I'll accept for Dakota. I will just accept it. Maybe it's not a straight up no. I'll start with with uh, with Clay and right, right. from Greg. Well, when I saw that last question, I immediately thought of chickens, right? Because I knew Dakota had talked about that for a long time. It's his pet project. So, so, to speak. so, so here's what I'll he say. He claims it's why he moved to Spiceland. Um, you know, you don't know what the future holds, and so as we go forward, we'll evaluate the situation. And then we will deal with uh, that issue when it comes up. Sounds like a politician's answer, Greg. Anything <laughs> on poultry and backyards? I know Greg Phipps is on the staff, and he's a big poultry guy. I don't know if you got a team of poultry advisors. Is there any chance of chick- backyard chickens in, in the city of Newcastle in the future? No. No chance. <laughs> we, we had a, a pig problem yeah. and uh, had a lady that, <laughs> that uh, literally had a ramp for her pig to I heard- it's a pop, and out big pop belly pig. What yes. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you, you know, we have a great county. And if you want chickens, uh, you need to live in the county. If you want uh, chickens and you want to hatch some eggs, you need a rooster. And that rooster uh, gets up before I do now, at 4.30 every morning. What if and we said hens only, no, no roosters? That's the argument I hear. As you, can, 
Because you, you want eggs. Then, then somebody ha- needs to have the kahunas to say no. If you want to, the speed limit's 30 and, and you want to change it to 20, I you think, don't compromise at 25. It's I, either yes or no. I think we say hens only. If there's a rooster caught, it'll go straight to make it the judge's problem. And there's a, every two weeks we have an execution. Uh, then they just that they won't have a rooster problem. Chick, chicken just, dinner, fried you, chicken you, dinner you afterwards. Just, you, you just you just have fried chicken every chicken couple dinner. weeks and they solve it. That's all right. I did that for Dakota. We thank you guys so much. For thank being you. Part of this. Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it very much. Yep. We will see you all next week.